I'm Seattle Times political reporter Jim Bruner. And I'm Seattle Times City Hall reporter Dan Beekman. Let's talk politics. The allegations against me paint me in the worst possible historic portraits of a gay man. The allegations against me are not true, and I say this with all honesty and with the deepest sincerity. But the scandal surrounding them and me is hurting this city. It hurts those who have been victims of abuse it hurts my family. It hurts Michael. For these reasons, I'm announcing that I'm withdrawing as a candidate for mayor. That was Seattle Mayor Ed Murray this week, who, in a dramatic and emotional press conference, took himself out of running for a second term as Seattle mayor um, after allegations had emerged of him abusing teenage boys, basically, back in the 1980s. Some of those allegations came up in a lawsuit. The mayor denies all of them, but he said, uh, you know, he could no longer really seek re-election without this becoming the dominant issue. And so he's stepping aside, and that really throws open the mayor's race in a way that we, we really didn't expect even, I guess, three weeks or a month ago. Things looked a lot different. Where, where, where does this race, the Seattle mayor's race in 2017, stand now? Yeah, well, uh, in a totally different place than, than just two months ago. Wide open, I think, is a good way to describe it at this point. Um, I mean, as recently as a month and a half or two months ago, uh, Ed Murray was widely expected to win re-election, um, partly because he had a lot of accomplishments to point to in his, in his first three-plus years as mayor, uh, from $15 minimum wage that he was part of helping set the city on a path to, to uh, convincing, helping to convince the voters to pass a number of tax increases for things like transit and parks and affordable housing, um, work on housing affordability and at least trying to tackle that. I mean, he has had his critics um, from various uh, locations on the political landscape, but... Um, but had raised a lot of money and, and, and had a lot of support and was widely expected to win. And, yeah, it, you know, he had drawn some opponents even before this scandal broke. Um, for example, one who's still in the race is Nikita Oliver, ed- educator, activist, and attorney, um, who had has had some real energy behind her campaign, especially from young folks. And um, she's she's still in the race, but the whole complexion of the thing changed when when this came out, the allegations. And since then, uh, we've had just a whole lot more people get in. Former Mayor Mike McGinn jumped into the race. Uh, Carrie Moon, an urban planner who's best known in the city, sort of uh, civic life for opposition to the Alaska Alaskan Way Viaduct Replacement Tunnel. And then more recently, just this week, we've had... Um, uh, State Senator Bob Hasegawa uh, out of South Seattle jumped into the race, and just now former U.S. Attorney Jenny Durkin. Uh, there may be more. So, yeah, it's, cha- it's changed a lot in a short period of time. Filing week is next week, so we'll know by the end of the next week who's in for sure. Some of you might actually be listening to the, this that week, but pretty soon the field will be set. 
I mean, you know, it's interesting you mentioned Ed Murray's accomplishments. Obviously, not everybody agrees that he, you know, maybe should have been an easy ride to a second term. People, he, he had some some bumpy rides on things like some zoning proposals and things like that. But And homelessness, a huge yeah. challenge for him. And, and for anybody who's trying to be a leader in the city. But he, you know, when he, when he gave this, it, it did strike me when he gave that press conference, he was able to tick off a lot of things that he felt like were big accomplishments. And for those of you who may not have seen the, the video of the, of the press conference, it was very emotional. He spoke with, obviously, an extremely heavy heart. Um, you know, politics has been his life. He's been a state senator. You know, before that, he was, he, I think he was a city council aide years ago. And, you know, he thought of mayor, as Seattle mayors often say, you know, as, as the greatest job in the world, even though as many of them come to find out it, it can end rather abruptly. But it was very emotional. And I mean, I thought, honestly, as well handled as you could in, in that type of situation. Right. On the other hand, um, you know, he has at least one of his accusers uh, on that same day. And Mike McGinn and Kerry Moon uh, all were calling on him to resign, not just drop out of the race. So right. this isn't going away. No, and, you know, this race is going to continue through the year while he, he fights the, the lawsuit, at least, the civil lawsuit filed against him, but tries to stay in office. Meanwhile, a bunch of people vying to, to replace him as mayor of Seattle. So, so let's talk about some of those people, maybe starting with the person who got in kind of or is just about to get in as we're recording this former u.s attorney jenny durkin somebody who has never run for office before but is a big time connected um sort of political heavyweight democratic politics yeah uh you know an interesting candidate because as you said has never run for elected office before has never held office elected office before and you know uh, comes from a politically connected family and has herself been an insider in Washington State Democratic Party politics um, and has been in the public eye uh, as a U.S. attorney and as a lawyer on some high-profile cases uh, in private practice, but just hasn't really been a politician before. And so brings that combination of of well-known in some circles and with some real advantages, but also without great name recognition maybe among your yeah. regular folks on the street comes from a you know if the people who do recognize her sort of family name Durkin might remember her her father late Martin Durkin senior was a powerful state lawmaker years ago her brother Jamie Durkin Martin Jamie Durkin Jr is sort of, is a is a lobbyist i think he just actually recently sort of retired from lobbying but pretty pretty well known and and highly paid lobbyist that worked on a lot of issues and even uh, you know, tends more to the, the Republican side of things and, and clashed with, with Jenny Durkin in the 2004 governor's race, which we should mention. You know, one of the reasons Jenny Durkin is known as politically connected is she's connected with former Governor Chris Gregoire and um, fought as her attorney when there was a lawsuit over the contested 2004 governor's race between Gregoire and Dino Rossi. And, you know, there was a period of time when people weren't sure if Gregoire was going to be governor, I mean, or if that was going to get overturned, and Dino Rossi was going to be the first Republican governor in years. But in the end, Gregoire and the Democrats prevailed, and Jenny Durkin worked on that case. And she was a people said she was a main reason why uh, Gregoire ended up in the in the governor's office. Yeah, and been a close advisor and confidant of Gregoire's, you know, since and even before that, re- helped Gregoire when 
Greg Ware was a state attorney general. There was a there was a screw up in the office where somebody didn't file an appeal. The state, I think, got hit with a twenty million dollar payment that they didn't maybe have to make, and there was a lot of finger pointing. And Greg Ware helped her out with that. So you know, and of course, to return the favor, Greg Ware in recent weeks or recent days, actually, he's been get you know trying to gather support for Jenny Durkin and um, Durkin, an Obama President Obama appointee. Uh, to U.S. Attorney for uh, Western Washington and um, made that clear on the news release she put out today, uh, Thursday, about her announcement uh, event tomorrow referring, uh, her campaign referred to her as, uh, I think, you know, someone who worked on police reform and as a, a quote, um, Obama appointee in the subject line. So she wanted to highlight that, obviously. And, you know, known as a competent um, leader in that role, I think another a number of high profile cases, for example, um, uh, a terrorism case uh, in Seattle and um, also the, the Russian hacker case, which has been back in the news recently. She originally extradited this Russian hacker who's the son of a, of a Russian parliamentarian here to face charges. Yeah, a lot of, you know, U.S. attorney do some big-time prosecutions. But as you said, her sort of news release, you know, hit highlighted Obama appointee. Obama, of course, super popular in Seattle. And I think trying to send a message that she's, um, you know, a progressive. You can't say progressive enough when you're running for Seattle mayor. We don't know what she's going to sort of lead with when she runs. She hasn't had her official announcement yet. But, you know, in, in Seattle, there's a way in which she could get portrayed as, the establishment candidate, you know, again, I mean, she wasn't running a week ago until Ed Murray's gone. So some of the same people who back Ed Murray might be getting behind her. And yeah, and we know she's yeah. been meeting with, you know, power brokers in town leading up to announcing and um, uh, and is politically connected and, and has been part of the power structure in various ways. And so there's a good chance that some of her opponents will try to portray her as the quote-unquote establishment candidate in the race, but she may push back on that. For example, with the police police reform, uh, uh, a part of her role as a U.S. attorney, and point out that she, uh, you know, requested a review of the Seattle Police Department that led to a scathing report finding a pattern of excessive use of force by Seattle cops, and that sort of set the course to the police reform project that we're several years into now. Um, here in Seattle. And so she'll be able to point to that as something she was involved in. Yeah, and of course, um, she's not, you know, the only one in the race. I think we mentioned already State Senator Bob Hasegawa, who's somebody, obviously, who, who does hold elected office. And he he got in a little, a little before. His announcement got a little um, sandwiched. Yeah, he, did, he didn't have the best timing, Bob Hasegawa, because he originally put out uh, the, that he was going to uh, make his announcement um, on uh, he put something out on late Monday, which is when the city was, you know, really buzzing with uh, rumors that Ed Murray would end his campaign the next morning. And then that did happen. And then Hasegawa held an announcement event on Tuesday, only a couple of hours after Murray had yeah. had had his own press conference. And so uh, not the greatest timing, but... Um, you know, Hasegawa, uh, uh, you know, well-known in his district, the 11th district, 
lawmaker for for many years and a Seattle native. He has this kind of story that he told as he was making this announcement was that he started out his sort of adult life as a UPS truck driver and uh, uh, a union UPS truck driver and then sort of worked his way up through the Teamsters and became involved in, in, uh, you know, union leadership. And then from there got into politics and has been a, uh, a champion, a progressive champion, uh, in, in Olympia. Yeah. And it, you know, he was a Bernie Sanders delegate this last presidential election comes from that wing of the party. I remember him, I was at the democratic convention in Philadelphia and, and he, uh, was watching some of these speeches there where if you remember, it seems like an, an eon ago now, but you know, th- that was a convention where there were some sort of Republican figures even up there saying, you know, that, 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 that Hillary Clinton could unite the country. And Hasegawa was sort of, he was, he was so offended by that, you know, the people in the democratic convention were literally applauding Ronald Reagan, you know, so you can see that he's really on the progressive way yeah, of the party. And, and uh, he was one of the, the only or one of the few uh, lawmakers, legislators who voted against the big Boeing tax breaks a couple of years ago, I think. That's something that I put in, in our initial story uh, yeah. about him announcing his run for mayor. And just to give you another sense of the flavor of the Hasegawa campaign, he held his announcement event this week at the Wells Fargo Center in downtown Seattle and made it a, a big point of saying that he would push for a, a municipal bank so in Seattle, and so making this point, you know, let's get rid of the these big banks. Let's uh, be the banks ourselves. Yeah, and of course. So we, I think we mentioned that Bob or uh, Mike McGinn, of course, a familiar face to a lot of to people in Seattle, is back in trying to get his old job back. He's in a way the flip side of Jenny Durkin because he's he has been mayor. So unlike her, he has run for office and he, he won and he served four years. It was and kind he has of good name recognition, win. really good name re- recognition. And, but of course he lost to Ed Murray after just one term. And, you know, part of the reason is, uh, you know, he was not, he was not liked by the establishment in, in Seattle. Right. And so he's sort of this interesting combo of, yes, of she's not well known in the mayor's office, but, but as an outsider, right. She's not well known, but is a, is an insider. He's well known, but he's an outsider, or or a, to some extent is an outsider, and may portray himself again that way in this race. Yeah. Um, and Dan, you have a, a wrap a story, I think, on the race in the Sunday newspaper. If you want to check it out, where you'll get a flavor of McGinn. And um, you know, one thing is he he of course clashed with Ed Murray because they ran against each other. He's also clashed with Jenny Durkin, and so it could be kind of interesting if if they do wind up. Um, being the two in the general election, or you know, even during this primary, you'll probably see um, some maybe animosity between, between them because yeah. yeah, and they clashed when Jenny Durkin was U.S. Attorney on police reform. Just really quick, you know, while she was U.S. Attorney, at the end of this pretty heated mayoral race in 2013, uh, Mike McGinn was taking credit for this uh, community police commission, and Jenny Durkin. Her office kind of went out of their way to say, uh, no, you know, you can't take credit for that. And there was a little back and forth on that. Yeah. And, and, and so, uh, you know, conceivably, you could, and we don't know what's going to happen. Conceivably, you could end up with a, a Durkin McGinn, you know, uh, runoff. And you could see pr- how that could get pretty 
uh, pretty intense pretty quickly with the history they have and sort of the the real uh, differences in sort of their political makeups. Yeah, and if that happened, I just want to point out that would be so in 2013 it was McGinn Murray, you know, and if if that went this way, we could have uh, uh, McGinn Durkin. That's a lot of Irish. A lot of Irish Americans, you know, in a city. I mean, it's not like we're Boston, so it's it's kind of odd. But we'll see how it plays out. Um, of course, Nikita Oliver got in before these others. Um, where does she, you know, how does Ed Murray dropping out change her role in the race? I mean, it's a lot different, right? Yeah, well, I think she's got to be feeling right now like uh, the whole picture has changed. The sort of tables have been turned on her in a way. I mean, when she got into the race... Her whole, um, you know, attitude had to be, you know, she said that she got in because partly because of what was going on at the national level, wanting to energize people about local politics, but also it had to be, hey, I don't think this mayor is doing um, doing things the best way for this city. And I have a different vision. Um, And now he's not even in the race. And now all these other people are in the race. And whereas before she was maybe the most prominent challenger now she's um one person in, in a big field and um so that's a big change for her and and she's gonna have to try to figure out how to how to yeah. how to adjust and you, you know it's interesting you mentioned that she were, were uh, she got in she was kind of inspired by even donald trump's election and to get more involved in politics and she also i think was coming back from protesting the uh, Dakota Access Pipeline and sort of had uh, a semi-epiphany, she described it to us. She was on our podcast a few weeks ago. You can go back and listen to it. And so, in a way, some national issues kind of motivated her to run, while also she has been involved in local issues, including, I think, protesting the uh, the youth jail, right? So mm-hmm. she has a connection to local politics and definitely some energy. And, I mean, speaking of issues, you know, what, what do you think uh, are going to be some of the issues in this in this race because you do have in Seattle you do have a lot of sort of uh, people putting themselves out there as the anti-Trump candidate I mean it's like the thing to do I mean Ed Murray was doing that and in fact when these allegations against him came out the sex abuse allegations he even at some point said you know isn't it curious that it comes out as I'm a big anti you know Trump Trump over the sanctuary city's executive order of course there's no evidence that that's why these allegations came forward but you know, he's, he has put that out there, but I mean, Dan, like what for local issues for people, you know, what are, what are the meat and potato issues that you think people will be talking about in the race that are actually things that the mayor can make a a difference on? I mean, the voters have got to be thinking about the big things are homelessness and, and all the sort of things that go along with that, you know, it ties into housing affordability, ties into heroin addiction, opioid addiction, but homelessness, big, big, big one. Um, also, uh, growth, you know, how the city can grow and that, that ties into zoning, land use, housing affordability again, but, but as our population increases and people move here to work and for good jobs, um, how do we accommodate those people while still being able to accommodate the people who have been here for a longer time or don't have those great paying jobs? Uh, and then, transportation i mean which is again related to growth but 
how do people yeah. get around? So I think those are the big three. You know, police reform has been a big issue. It was the big issue in the last mayoral race. It's been a big issue in Seattle politics for a number of years. And I'm sure it will come up again in this campaign. Um, the city is, and the police department are pretty far along in um, getting to compliance on the consent decree. And there's a, a federal judge who's sort of running the show, uh, no matter who's mayor. So it seems somewhat unlikely that, that this mayor's race could have a sort of, could end up blowing up the whole police reform process in Seattle. but Legally, it, at least, yeah. Legally. But, it, I mean, it will certainly be an issue on the campaign trail. Well, and we're always, you know, one controversial police shooting away from it becoming, you know, the issue. Or, or, or even a police breakdown where it's on the other side where maybe they don't move fast enough. I mean... And we've, we've seen a lot of shootings just in the last yeah. week or so, um, a real uptick, which is really scary and disturbing. Yeah, I mean, previous mayors have been brought down by you know, riots and things like that. So we don't really know. It can be pretty unpredictable. And I should say that, um, you know, talking about housing affordability and you could see how that tied into homelessness, how it tied into growth, how it, how it even to some extent tied into transportation, because if you can't afford to live near your job in the city and you're living out uh, in the sticks and driving in, that's a transportation issue. But um, Carrie Moon, although she's best known sort of in Seattle civic life for or sort of Seattle waterfront and Alaskan Way viaduct work. She, uh, the issue that she's really focusing on in this campaign so far is housing affordability. And for, particularly for her, it's she thinks that there is too much real estate speculation going on, too much luxury development not being uh, taxed enough, and that the city needs to sort of A, clamp down on the speculation of Seattle real estate, maybe even from people outside the city, outside the country, and also try to try to raise some revenue off of that. Um, yeah, I mean, that real estate speculation, probably, I guess she's talking about even of the type that they've seen up in Vancouver. Right? Yeah, it's, and it's kind of hard because... But do we have that data that that's going on? No, you know, I interviewed her when she announced and I said, okay, well, you know, what do you have the concrete evidence to show that this is a problem? I mean, we do know it's a problem in cities like New York and London and, and, um, and Vancouver, BC. And she said, well, no, you know, I don't have the data, but that's what you know, I would do as mayor, I would go find out the data and, and anecdotally looking at other cities. I think that exists here. So, you know, that will be debated on the campaign trail as well. It'll be interesting to see what concrete proposals people bring out on on something like that and something like single family zoning and how much are you going to try to pierce the single family zoning in the city? Um, You know, Mary and Murray tried and and it's, it's very difficult when you get into the details, people get up in arms pretty quickly. And I, I'm going to be very, very interested to see what the proposals are on that. And you mentioned revenue. You know, Seattle is a liberal, Democratic-dominated tax and spend city. You know, we should say the mayor's race is a nonpartisan race, but everybody knows that basically everybody running is a Democrat or left of a Democrat. Yeah, or a Democratic Socialist, right. maybe even. And... But, you know, there's proposals out there for a city income tax of some kind, right, or... It, and, you know, I'd expect, frankly, I'd expect most of the candidates to embrace that in some form. You know, there's a way in which these races can become sort of a lot of people diving to the left and where they, where they become sort of the perceived leftiest candidate versus the a little more establishment candidate. Both can have their advantages in a general election. 
Yeah, and I was talking to uh, you know a political observer for a story I'm working on on the race uh, this week, and uh, he was saying, you know, partly because there's so little time between now and the primary election, and uh, which is the first uh, week of August, um, and the fact that so many of these folks are just getting into the race now, there really isn't a lot of time to introduce yourself to voters and um, sort of sort out all the nuanced differences between your policy positions uh, on everything and those of your opponents in this crowded field. And so he said, really, you know, the the candidates who are going to be most effective are going to be the ones who are able to identify a very clear, concise, even maybe a single issue or message and just bang that drum and 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 yeah, like get it. it out there and and get into the consciousness of voters and even in a crowded field um let's say that issue is something that only resonates with 20% of of voters well that and then yeah. the other 80% hate it that could at least get you through the primary it might or, not do you well yeah. in the general or maybe but. the 20% feel really strongly and are going to vote you know and i mean we can think back to recent city elections where Ed Murray even got out ahead on the $15 an hour minimum wage issue. And of course, you know, before him, Shamas, or actually during the same year, Shamas Awant was, was very strong on that to get on the city council. But Ed Murray, um, who, who had sort of been perceived as the establishment candidate four years ago, but also had a real good progressive record, or, you know, a record viewed well by progressives in the legislature, he really got out front on $15. And in my view, he kind of surprised Mike McGinn a little bit. They both wound up embracing it, of course, but then, but but that allowed Ed Murray to get a lot of support from labor, and eventually, you know, I think it helped him get elected mayor, and then it was an issue that he followed through on. Right. So a lot of the folks are going to be close to each other in some of these policy issues, but who can find that thing like fifteen now or whatever it was for Sawant that that goes on the yard signs and that just sticks in people's yeah. minds and that they. 20 they, now. If I know one thing, yeah. 25. If I, one, if I know one thing, it's this about this candidate, and so I'll vote for them. Yeah. And, you know, it's going to be a summer primary. A lot of people taking a vacation. Maybe it's sunny finally. <laughs> well, and that maybe that's where also it comes back to sort of the national politics and um, also something that the candidate, maybe the candidate who can best harness some of this energy, uh, residual energy from the, the November presidential election. Yeah. The resistance candidate. You know, right. the anti-Trump sentiment in Seattle can hardly be overstated. We should... You know, a lot can change in this race. Filing week is next week. We should, I think, quickly mention that there are some other candidates who are sort of out there. There's some others who have actually filed two or lesser known, and, you know, we haven't been able to look into some of them. Some of them are just sort of candidates who, who run. Some are perennial candidates, yeah. and, some, and some are just but lesser known. there are some known. possibly really serious candidates who might get in. Yeah. Well, you know, talking about potential candidates who might still get in the next couple of days— Two city council members' names have come up, uh, you know, repeatedly. Council President Bruce Harrell and uh, Council Member M. Lorena Gonzalez. Um, uh, Harrell is a multi-term uh, council member uh, who now represents a district, District Two, which is Southeast Seattle. Um, Gonzalez um, is running for re-election this year uh, for the first time. Uh, she's in her first term right now as a citywide council member. And, yeah, their names have both come up. Uh, you know, one difference is that Harold would be able to run for mayor and keep his district seat because it's not up this year. 
uh, sort of free shot. Gonzalez can only run for either mayor or her citywide seat this year. At this, she can't do both at the same time, so that's something to keep in mind. But she she was Ed Murray's um, general counsel in in the mayor's office before she became a city council member and was a civil rights attorney before that. So, yeah, and if so, she ran had to give up her council seat. That would open up a you know another at-large city council seat it could be a domino effect here and there's like a dozen people running for the other citywide council seat this year and we have a city attorney's race so it's busy times and you know we kind of thought it was going to be you know if you don't have a big mayor's race and off your you know municipal election isn't usually as as crazy as as it as it now seems like it's going to be we should mention a couple state legislators seattle you know state legislators david frocht and Jess and Farrell are also, you know, sort of said to be thinking about getting in. They haven't said definitively yet. For mayor, yeah. For mayor, right. So they could shake up the race, too. Again, you could have a dozen or 15-person ballot in the primary. That's a wrap for episode 36 of The Overcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our guests, us. You can read more about these stories that we've been talking about and these candidates. We're having a lot of coverage in the paper right now, in, both in the print edition and at seattletimes.com. Give us some feedback. You can hit us up on Twitter at dbeekman at jim underscore bruner. Email us at seattletimesovercast at gmail.com. Call and leave us a voicemail at 206-464-8778. Please listen and subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and Stitcher. And until next week, have a cloudy day.